The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to today's podcast. And we're going to be looking back at Fulham's first game of the season, back in the championship, back with fans. It was a lovely Sunday afternoon, only slightly spoiled by a late bowler equaliser for Neil Warnock's Middlesbrough. Uh, And today, to join the fun, to discuss the opening day, with fans back at Craven Cottage with me, I am joined by Mr. Drew Heatley. Hello. Ben Jarman. New season, new vibes. Hello. Hello indeed. <laughs> and Secretary Jack Collins on the Sunday podcast. Nice to have you back. Hello listeners. Hello everyone. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's very, very good to be back. And how lovely was it to be at the ground yesterday, a packed Craven Cottage. And whilst the result wasn't what we wanted, it was still a, a lovely performance. Before we start, just to say that if you want to get an athletic subscription with the transfer window closing down, you can get 33% off the regular subscription if you sign up using our URL, which is theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod pod right jack you've been going through some of the three word reviews it was very very busy on three word review duty yesterday what came through i enjoyed quite a lot of these actually um richard smith at the safari rich with silver not gold was the uh there was a couple of uh, on that kind of theme but i like that one alistair nimmo with on the silver thing i think i'm going to give it five weeks before i ban any silver puns right i think you've got five weeks to use them and then and then i'm going to call time i think because we can't be having this 40 games into the season yeah, well, I mean, it's going to uh, maybe it's one of those things that will be like funny and then not funny and then eventually become funny again. And uh, we might have to just <laughs> wind, stick with that. Winds me up. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> David Kettlehake with King Harry's coronation. Uh, we had Alistair Nimmo with We March Wilson. Uh, Brett Pun's Fulham Castaway win. Um, Shane Mork with different but same. Mark Holiday with We've Been Warnocked. And Nick Marcus with When It Rains. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, it was an absolute downpour in that uh, second half, wasn't it? I feel like it really killed Fulham's vibe a little bit yesterday in the free flowing football. Okay, well, we'll see what you go with as the pod name by the end of the uh, by the end of the podcast. I always find it funny that we do the pod name at the end of the podcast because everyone knows it when they listen to the podcast. So I don't know why we wait to the end as if there's suspense because it literally the answer is there on your phone or whatever you're listening to right now. Never really thought about it like that, but you're completely spot on. That's just blown mm. my mind. What do we do? Yeah, now? that's really killed the vibe. <laughs> we have to go with it. Just keep going. <laughs> have I just broken Fulhamish? I think you might have done. I think yeah. you have. RIP Fulhamish. It's been a great six years. See you later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nearly five years after we started, it's all over in one <laughs> fateful sentence. All right, Drew, let's um, let's get on to the match then. And first of all, Drew, you, you're a man. I'm pretty sure you didn't go to either the Liverpool or the Newcastle games last year like myself. So what was it like being back in the Hammersmith end, having a pint beforehand, seeing a packed Craven Cottage and singing Mar- Marco Silva's Blow Army? It was it was emotional actually. I uh, at the um, I was lucky enough to go to the Euro 
2020 final as well. And I just remember just stood there, just watching it all happen in front of me and just like sort of smiling with like, you know, tears welling up. And it was, it was, it was kind of that same feeling just to be back. And like, there's a lot of muscle memory as well there. You know, you, you, you jump on the tube and you remember all of the old stuff and it was just great to, to do it. It was with my dad and my brother. Uh, and it was just, uh, just fantastic just to see everybody and it it felt a lot like a lot more people than than just 16,000 which I think was roughly the attendance but um of course last time I was there there was no Riverside stand at all so that was also you know you you see the pictures ad nauseum on Twitter for the past 18 months but seeing it in person it is quite something but yeah, yeah. it was overwhelming it was but it was brilliant yeah, it really, really was. And Jack, I thought we we started very, very well. I thought it was a bright start to, to Marco Silva's reign. Maybe to be expected that we were going to come out the traps well. But I mean, Fulham were clearly dominant for nearly 90 minutes of this match. I guess the last 10 minutes, Mid- Middlesbrough obviously got back into it and looked a bit threatening from set pieces. But yeah, Fulham clearly on top in this game. That's That's one thing that you can take away from it. It still doesn't get us two points back, though. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think there are going to be games like this. And, you know, when I was asked what, what I thought was going to happen in this game, I said it's going to be one all. Fulham will miss an absolute host of chances and we'll get war knocked with a late uh, Luke Barra goal. I did say from a set piece, so I was slightly out. But, um, I'm, I'm, you know, we, we look at it and think maybe maybe we just got what was coming to us. I mean, it had it written all over it, didn't it? And and, and perhaps we didn't create quite as many chances as we'd have hoped to with that amount of dominance of the ball, or, or, of territory and possession, I think, in both cases. We, you know, looked like we, we pegged middle were back we were we spent a lot of time in the opposition half in the opposition final third um that we there was that moment obviously five minutes in where Anthony Robinson nearly scored an own goal um and, and it was just a, a remarkable save in the end actually from Paolo Gazzaniga to, to stop yeah. us conceding in farcical fashion five minutes into the silver rain um but it, it did kind of feel like Fulham were the better side and without maybe saying that we created loads, especially first half. I think obviously the, the Wilson goal was the first real effort aside from the Wilson volley um, in, in that first half. And we, we did start to pile the pressure on at the start of the second. And it did feel like we were, we were moving in the right direction. It was, it, it was a decent performance. I thought all round, not remarkable, not spectacular, um, but good enough to suggest there's more to come. And there did feel still like there was a few key cogs missing in this side, which will just tie it all together. We'll come on to the, the late formation changes, I'm sure. But if you're going to play four, one, four, one and Silva's done it in the past and I have no doubt he's going to do it again at times. You really want that one to be Harrison Reed. Yeah. Um, Charms, do you think we finally found someone in Harry Wilson that can take a shot from outside the box and actually hit it on target? Uh, yes, I do think we found someone yeah, of, of that ilk that, ha- that Harry Wilson has is going to be able to take a shot from outside the box, get it on target and also to to cause problems. I thought that he played very, very well yesterday. I like the fact that he was almost hugging the touchline when Borough weren't really switched on. And there was a couple of occasions where... Uh, the ball was switched out to him and he was in acres of space. And I think that he was a real big creative force. And then I enjoyed him sort of shifting into the middle uh, towards the end of the second half um, when we started to uh, turn the screw a little bit on Borough. Um, I, I kind of guess that on the overall scheme of things, I, I kind of felt that I really wanted to have someone in there that could put the foot on the ball at the base in the midfield because it felt like we bypassed them way too much. And for have to have Tim Ream as your only progressive passer in a final third or middle third is probably a bit uh, a bit drastic at this level. Um, and I think that that's where someone like Harrison Reed would have, would have been absolutely brilliant yesterday. And I, I kind of 
didn't like the over the overlooking of uh, Jean-Michel Serry because it was very key and very obvious that the clip ball over the top stopped working after a long while and we needed someone to get a foot on the ball and be a bit more creative from deeper. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that it did feel, um, Drew, that whilst I, I think it worked for the most part, this, this still feels a little bit of a work in progress. Marcus Silva's maybe going to take three to four games, a few you know, people to come back from injury before we maybe see the train getting fully started. I don't think this is going to be Slavisa. We're going to have to wait half a season for, for the train to get started. But quite clearly, like there was a few first game things that need to be ironed out. Yeah, I think we are, we, you know, we're all aware that, that this is not going to be the the final product, the final starting 11 and certainly the final squad, um, match day squad today uh, on, on Sunday, sorry. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not too concerned about that. I mean, you know, you only have to look at Cabano starting a game, you know, in the first sort of third of the season for the first time and God knows how long to know that, you know, it's not the finished product. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're, we're going to see some some changes, um, obviously Harrison Reed being the biggest omission. Um, but, you know, there was plenty of uh, there was plenty of things to be optimistic about on, on Sunday. It's like Jack said, you know, it wasn't the wasn't a scintillating performance, but there was plenty of um, indications that we're going to see a return to, you know, a, an attacking fluid style of football that actually, you know, keeps your interest for 90 minutes. So I think, we, uh, you know, it was actually the first sort of 20 minutes where we're having quite a nice spell that you just... I, I really was pleased that that Parker was gone for the first time, really, you know, not that I'd given it a huge amount of thought with a busy summer of the Euros and things like that. But I was like, you know, I'm, I'm actually pretty pleased that we've shut the shut the door on that chapter. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think even Silver said it himself in his post-match comments. Um, you know, this team is not the team that will be going forward for the majority of the season. They do change uh, throughout the course of a campaign, but plenty of reasons to be optimistic. Um, Jack, uh, just broken about half an hour before we record, uh, by Peter from the athletics saying that, uh, Anguisa was left out of Fulham's match day squad against Middlesbrough on Sunday due to his desire to leave the club. The athletic understands, um, he is subject to interest from clubs in Italy, Spain, and the premier league, and has made it clear that he does not want to play in the championship and silver does not want anyone in the team who is not committed to the cause, but the piece does say that no transfer bid has been accepted from Angi for has been accepted for Angisa. Um, I mean, not shocking news. I think we all pretty much had worked that out from his omission in the starting lineup or the squad yesterday. But your reaction to that, I guess it was something that probably we knew deep down was always going to happen, right? Yeah, I, I think so. And 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 look, perhaps there's there's silver linings in this, in that if we're saying that Silver has said to him, look, anyone who doesn't want to be on board here isn't going to play. Um, and then you look at the players that were in the squad, you look at the players subject to interest, we would imagine in Kenny Tete and, and Tosin Adrabayo, you know, maybe there's something there that we can take out of this and be like, that's good news in terms of having a right-hand side of defence that, feels settled and is willing to stay and fight for Fulham in the championship this season. Um, look, obviously, I'm disappointed. I love Anguissa. I think he's a wonderful player. I loved what he offered at Villarreal. I, I, I thought that he was good in, in large swathes last season until the kind of end of the season and it all started petering out. Uh, there is an element of this that if you have a player like this in the championship, you need them to be on form because, you know, whilst the championship is perhaps a level below what, what Anguisa would be used to and, and what he is in a technical capacity, there's still no room to coast in it. And we know that 
far too well that player we've seen players try to coast the championship and not be able to dominate and now we've seen a player like Ruben Neves for example at Wolves come into the championship full throttle and dominate and I was really hopeful that if Anguissa stayed he'll be able to have a similar effect on Fulham this year but at the end of the day like you say it's not hugely surprising news he's a player who sees himself playing at a top tier division, you know, at a club that wants to play in one of Europe's top five leagues. And I don't hugely blame him. I think he's good enough to do that. Now, you know, you have to look at it and say it's a disappointment as far as we're concerned. It's a disappointment in terms of the investment. But if that bid comes in and I know there's interest from Aston Villa, um, I know there's interest from Roma and I know there's interest from Valencia, although Valencia are quite broke and I cannot see them stumping up the required funds in order to get Anguissa out of Craven Cottage. I think the the above two in in, in Roma and, and Aston Villa both would have enough capacity in order to make a bid that Fulham probably find acceptable. You'd imagine anything in the 20 to 25 range is probably now in play. Um, and, and I think that whilst it's disappointing, it's kind of, there's something in me that looks at this and goes, right, Silver's made his marker. He's laid down the law in terms of how people are going to be part of this squad. And I guess that that for me is a positive in that we know how we're going to be moving forward. This isn't something that we're going to be looking at in four weeks, having played with Anguissa for the first four weeks of the season and then be like, oh God, how do we fill that gap? Because Silver is working with what he's got and what he believes is going to be the squad for the entire campaign. I mean, do you think it's going to be a permanent transfer, Jack? You don't think see this being another season-long loan? Maybe he'll come back for the Premier League again in 12 months if we make it. I'd imagine that, that Fulham will want it to be a permanent transfer this time around. Um, whether that you know actually materialises or not is a different question. Um, I know that the Valencia bid, which was a loan without a fee, um, was knocked back probably because of that. Um, you'd imagine that they they saw that as you know, almost insulting, really, in order to to suggest that we we need we'd let a player of this caliber go with nothing, you know, as part of it. Um, I think that there is a chance it becomes a loan a loan move. Um, but I think if we do so, it'll be a loan with an option slash obligation um, in order to get him off. There's two years left on his contract with a further option, if I'm not mistaken, um, which means that there is capacity for him to return and still be, you know, worth money and worth you know, investment to Fulham, both in terms of being a player at the club or in terms of being able to sell him on. Um, but I would imagine that given that he didn't want to play in the championship last time, given that he's now looking to move away from the club a second time, people would now look at it and go, right, okay, this isn't someone who's willing to put the hard yards in for the club. And therefore, I think they will look to make any next move, if not permanent immediately, one which has permanent permutations. I think for me, that is the thing that... I, I don't want Anguissa at the club anymore. Like I, as part from that, he's, he's obviously a quality player and I kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt the first time that we got relegated. I was thinking, okay, you weren't a massive part of that team that got relegated from the Premier League the first time around. You were new to England, but this time he was part of our relegation. He was a key part of that side that did not stay up ultimately. And second time, if you don't want to be here this time, I don't think you then deserve to then get back in the Premier League side third time around so with you know with a heavy heart he's clearly one of the more talented players that's ever donned this shirt Ben hmm. but I'm I'm happy for him to go yeah I think I'm also kind of happy for him to go I think he had his opportunity last year and I think a few of us on here were probably some of his biggest plaudits and I think that he's largely divided the fan base in terms of his actual output and I think that this is possibly due to his style of play, which is obviously very, very languid. 
Um, but I think there's a, there's a special player in there somewhere. Um, and it's a case of one team, whether it's Fulham or whether it's another team that's actually going to find this diamond in the rough that is Andre Frank Zambayangisa. And I think that actually a move away from us could benefit both parties almost in the same way that maybe that Ross McCormack deal did as well, because it enabled us to go out and spend on a team that eventually got us promoted, albeit um, a large part of our fan base was quite unhappy at his departure. But I think that if we if we receive a substantial bid for, for Andre Frank Zambangisa, it gives us great money to put back into the squad. And I think that it's a squad that is going to need it because um, I think we saw from from this weekend when there's a few people missing, there's there's certainly massive gaps in quality. And I think that a sale of Angisa um, is going to be the best thing to do. Also, I feel like in terms of a mental side of things, for him to then come back into the squad after being relegated twice and then trying to push for the Premier League a third time, I kind of think it sends the wrong message to the to the wider squad and also to himself. And I can't see him getting motivated to come back after being loaned out somewhere else and having success. Um, Drew, just getting back to the game, uh, what was your thoughts on the second half? Uh, Fulham pushed for the second, had a few opportunities for the second, maybe denied a penalty. Um, I'm still kind of on the fence whether it definitely was a penalty or, or not. I've seen a replay back and... It's, it's softer than I thought at the time, let's put it this way. Um, but then Middlesbrough, I, that, that didn't really turn the screw, did they? They just kind of had one moment of pressure and it was just poor defending, really, for, for Bowler to have so much space inside the box and lose his markers. Yeah, we, you know, we've heard it said a couple of times. We got Warnocked. I mean, we, we kind of let the game get away from us in the second half. And I don't know whether it was a mental thing of, you know, we've been taking the knocks or, it, or we'd be trying to draw some fouls as well. So it was a mixture of both for, throughout the game. I was talking to my brother and you're talking about how, you know, you try and draw these fouls sometimes, but uh, you know, if you don't get them a couple of times, you just get ended up, ended up getting battered. And, and that's kind of what we did. And I think we were just a bit battered and bruised towards the end, lost our, lost our composure. Um, and then obviously uh, they get the equaliser, but I don't, you know, there's a, it's the first game of Silver, so you don't know. And, and as I say, I, 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 so many positives. But I didn't I didn't particularly rate his substitutions. It's probably unfair to say I didn't rate his substitutions because I'm looking with hindsight. At the time, I thought, okay, we're, we're trying to get we're trying to get it back here. But um, you know, three attacking players on fine. But Cavalero, even at this level, yesterday did nothing for me. Kamara is never going to change. You know, I love him as a cult hero, but you know what you're going to get. And actually that's not necessarily what we want. Um, and Bobby Reed, I mean, you know, he didn't do a lot, but he's, he's, he's a starter for me. He probably should have started over Cabano. So that's fine, but they were a bit late and they were, and they were ineffective as it, as it's, as it's told in the, with hindsight, as I say. Um, but the, the key thing was they were a little bit late, but yeah, uh, I think, uh, it was, yeah, we just a bit of a mentality thing, uh, a bit of the old classic Fulham. Um, but it's funny, you know, you, you go to the game and you watch, you watched it a whole season on TV and you have a more measured view of the game. And then you go to the Craven Cottage again and, uh, every single foul that they do on us is a, is a foul and everything that, you know, that we do on them is, is, you know, atrocious refereeing and, and, and honestly believe it at the time as well. It's just one of those funny things where uh, I just thought, I can't believe we're getting nothing and they're getting everything. But as you say, when you watch it back, you know, the penalty shout was softer than we thought. And, and actually, you know, it was just, it was just one of those games, one of those games against the Warnock side, nothing to be too surprised about. If I was a Middlesbrough fan, I'd be so difficult to get excited about that squad. There's not one creative player in there. It's just 
blood and guts football. It was really quite difficult to watch them play against us. And if you're if you're a Middlesbrough fan, or if you're like second tier pod, for example, or if you're Ali and George over at the uh, Not the Top Twenty pod, how on earth do you preview that team? Because there's not one player in there that gets you excited. The fact that they had a, a pivot of um, Johnny Housen and Sam Morsey, like how. How do you how do you pay season ticket money to watch that every week? Well, because they've got such good fans, Jams, that's the main thing. And they were so loud for 90 minutes. I honestly just was, I was in the Hammersmith end and I, I put on earmuffs because I was just, I was just blown <laughs> away by the noise coming out of the away end. It was mesmerizing, really. You know, we've had some great European fans come to the Craven Cottage. I remember Basel, but just nothing on the level of Middlesbrough um, on the 8th of <laughs> August at Craven Cottage. It was just one of those that you had to see. It doesn't matter who's on the pitch, Ben. They will support them thick and thin. And and actually, they could hear it up in Hanwell, I hear. You know, it was really that loud um, all the way across West London. So, yeah, fair play to all those Middlesbrough fans yesterday. You made you made a racket. I, I believe it was uh, it was registered on the Richter scale. Um, so, so you know, there's, there's some important things there with, with just how loud they were. Well, it was, to be fair, I will actually give them like in, in genuine, the limbs when they scored were good limbs. Yeah, there yeah, was good, good limbs in the away end. They well, were, yeah, because yeah, they conserved their say. energy for 77 minutes, hadn't they? So they're starting to let <laughs> off. To be, I was before the game, you had a bunch of uh, wet behind the ear 12-year-olds singing Fulham's a shit, I want to go home, past these million pound gaffes. And I'm thinking, yeah, all right, back to your, back to your terrace cobbled streets, chaps, you bloody idiots. They are, they are irritating. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of fans, I will admit, but they they don't quite live in my cranium with 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 such uh, vigor as they, vigor as they do in Sammy's, but they they are there. Yeah, they are fully in my cranium after after yesterday. All right, we're going to take a break and then we're going to answer some of your questions. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Ben Jarman. Hello, Mandem. And Drew Heatley. Good day. All right, let's do some of your questions. Um, it's, it's so nice to be back. Just like, you know, three word reviews, questions, podcasts. It's like we never went away. Okay. Uh, first question from PR Zero um, at Dabomla. Um, <laughs> you probably made me say something there, haven't you? It's going to give you, you and your mates a great laugh. Anyway, he asks uh, Do you miss Scotty's eight at the back to secure three points, Jack? No, but um, I mean, there is an element of this that you think, you know, do we have to find a balance too? Because (laughs) the 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 4-1-4-1 slash, I'm not sure what it was. I mean, Farrell tweeted about it. He said the moment that the game changed was the moment where where Cav came on for Tyrese Francois and left us just completely and utterly overrun in midfield. I mentioned it at the top that it's fine if the one is Harrison Reed. Not if it's Josh Honeman. Josh Honeman had a brilliant game. I'm not. I'm not knocking Josh Honeman at all. I thought he was excellent. I thought he was everywhere first half. I thought he dropped off a little bit second half. But in general, I, I thought he had a really, really good game. Um, but when you when you now look at this and you think, hmm, where do we go here with, with with how this works without a player of kind of Harrison's ability to clean up to to mop up uh, and 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 make sort of put out fires as they appear it's very difficult to play that system especially when the twin eights in front of you are bobby reed and harry and harry wilson like there's there's a lot going on there that everyone's kind of be like ooh. and then he went even further and, and, and when ak came on it was sort of a four one three two which is a formation i think you only see on fifa normally so it does <laughs> feel like you know whilst I don't miss Scott Parker's eight at the back at all. And I'm really grateful that we don't have to see it. There is an element of, 
okay, chasing the game at some point. And I, I look, we'll go back to early Scotty, right? And there was that game against Charlton where Fulham were playing a 3-2-5 with Knockout and Cavalero as wingbacks. Um, and it was all a bit chaotic and mad. This was also all a bit chaotic and mad. The game became a basketball game. It did feel in the last couple of minutes that every time one team lost the ball, they could get run over. And and, and whilst that's fun and, and it's great crack if you're a neutral, don't get me wrong, but as a supporter, it's quite tense and, and uncomfortable. And I'm glad that Marco Silva, you know, saw three points as that valuable and that important, you know, straight away. And he's going to look to win games, not to to pick up, you know, a point here and there. That's obviously a, a nice thing to have and something we were calling for and something that we want. But there is, I think, an element of this that you go, OK, that was kind of madness. And maybe we just need a wee bit more control because especially, you know, you're chasing the game. Sure, you want to to have your attacking options on the field. You want to be pushing forward. But you know, there is also an element of without the control in the middle that we lost when Francois went off and they didn't bring on another centre midfielder, we actually didn't really create anything because everything was so kind of up in the air and it was just like, get the forward players on and see what happens, that we actually lost our ability to really create anything meaningful. Um, and I think that's something we will see, you know, again, iron itself out as the season progresses, but there is an element of, oh, okay, easy, everyone, easy. I mean, I felt like, Ben, that, you know, Francois and Calvalli had great games, but I thought they were tiring and I thought there was quite obvious substitutions to make on 67 min- 60, 70 minutes to, to haul them off and, and bring on some more experience. Francois for Seri would have been a really, really easy one as far as I'm concerned. You know, he'd had a great game and, and we saw it for the last in the last five minutes where Carvalho did a horrendous pass backwards and it very, very easily could have ended up in a goal and almost certainly would have if there was anyone with slightly more quality than than Middlesbrough's attack. Yeah, I think I largely agree with this. I think um, the Tyrese Francois for, for Seri substitution was one that would have got plaudits from the fans pretty early. And actually, it's just a, a really quick win. Like you, you want that sort of substitution to be made that, that late in the game. And it allows you to put your grip back onto to controlling what happens in the rest of the match and it, in a positive outcome for Fulham. And I, I kind of... I'm a little bit baffled as to why that didn't happen. Obviously, we spoke earlier about Silva saying that he only wants players in the squad that are fully committed to the cause. But the indication is if Seri's on the bench, he is committed to playing for Fulham and in the Championship too. So why not use a player of his quality, especially when you have that 4-1-4-1 system where we relinquish control? But I think just on on Francois himself, I think a lot of people in, in the same role that you may see Josh Onaman not really receive many plaudits for his um, contribution on Sunday. I think for Francois was really, really good. I think he got around the pitch very well, used the ball intelligently, and for, for someone of his size and stature against quite a big Middlesbrough size, I, th- I, I thought he put it about a bit. I thought he was intelligent with his passing. I think that he read the game exceptionally, exceptionally well for someone of his age. And I think there was a, co- a couple of nice link-ups in there of Carvalho, who I, I think also done very, very well. I think he kind of grew into the game. As soon as he got more confident, then I th- that's when we started to see him make his mark. But I think that ultimately, as Jack says, the, the more and more we get through the season, I think we'll see more and more of this Fulham side change. And as much as it pains me to say, I don't think we'll be seeing Francois starting many matches in, in the next few weeks uh, when Harrison Reed comes back. But I, I'm kind of liking the the evolution of Josh Onoma uh, in a sort of deeper role. I think he, it was also really good because he... he decided he wanted to get into the box, which is something that we didn't see from any of our midfielders last year. Or it's something we know Josh Maradona can do. Exactly. A quick point on Francois as well, just to add to you and, and, and Carvalho, I think they both had uh, 
good games on, on Sunday. But I think similar to the way uh, Ryan Sesson had to hit the weights and bulk up, I think they both both need to uh, both need to get a little bit more body mass on them. I think it was obviously a difficult game against a strong Middlesbrough side, which, you know, they're all pretty much rugby players, aren't they? But, you know, they they it's a good job that Francois can read the game as well as he can for such a young player because I think uh, they were finding it difficult to get the ball off, uh, you know, the physical side of the game. They were finding that a bit difficult. But when you've got pace like Carvalho's got, I suppose it doesn't really matter that much. But if you're somebody like Francois, if I, if I was him, I'd be getting the dumbbells out at home and... Uh, Trying to get a trying to get a few muscles on the board. I think my worry, um, and I said this to Drew before the podcast, with both Carvalho and Francois, and I guess it's the worry of any young players. I just remember the experience of Steven Sessignon, and I just hope that Fulham are wiser than what happened there, where Steven Sessignon played one game against Huddersfield, looked brilliant. I think played another game, looked quite good, and then he made one mistake against Forest. It led to a goal. We lost the game, and Brian Sessignon, sorry, Steven Sessignon kind of got dumped after that and never really saw the first team properly ever again and still now is is struggling to find his place. So I'm just hoping that, you know, Fulham managed that a bit more sensibly and and that's maybe one of those things, you know, bring them off before they can make mistakes later in games if their fitness isn't quite up to 90 minutes. That was what maybe Stephen Sessignon got thrown in very much at the deep end and, you know, didn't really swim all that well. I'm hoping he will again one day, although with Kenny Tete putting in performance like he did at right back um, yesterday, it's hard to see where Stephen Sessignon potentially fits into this team, but I guess you never know of injuries and stuff. Staying on the youngsters, uh, Paul Cooper asks um, Drew, uh, aka Martin Mucklow, uh, with Carvalho turning down a new contract, is there any point to the academy? <laughs> oh, I mean, I've, I've, I've written about this on the Funimish website before. You know, obviously, it's it's no secret how notoriously bad we are at keeping. Uh, our, our academy players that we want to keep uh, and bringing up well the, the article I wrote was more about bringing them through and how we're not too great with doing that but um, yeah I mean to be honest I think it was uh, I was listening to the Fulham phone and you and George Cooper yesterday and uh, well I can't remember which one of it one of you two it was but saying it's just the first offer I think there's a lot uh, a long way to go on it I wouldn't be too concerned I mean I, I, don't, I can't see many Premier League teams given Fabio Carvalho the start that Fulham are going to give him this season I think it's clear already he's got a big role to play uh, you know, we say Francois probably not so much when Reed returns, but but Carvalho for sure. I think he's gonna he's gonna get a lot of games under his belt, and he's not gonna get that certainly in the Prem. And where else would he go in the Championship? So I think he probably you know he's being advised. He's got an agent, know your worth, etc. You're on a you're on the crest of a wave at the moment, uh, breaking in, and you're young and exciting probably go for a little bit more money or a longer deal, or who knows? It might not just be about the money. It might be the deal length. It might be any number of contract nuances we don't know about so it's always like uh, a bit dramatic especially you know an hour before kickoff or two hours before kickoff whenever the daily mail story and uh, got posted online but uh, yeah i think there's i think it's uh, it's just one side of a story that's a bit more nuanced than that yeah and 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 peter didn't seem too fretted about it when he was asked about it yesterday in his um kind of post-match comment thing that he does on 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 the athletic jack yeah, I'm, I'm not particularly worried. Um, the the facts are that that we probably have put 
to Fabio Carvalho an offer that suggests, you know, that, that he's come out of the academy. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Fulham have offered him a kind of, you know, relatively modest wage, um, which is fair enough. And I appreciate that you don't want to be paying, you know, youngsters over the odds straight away. But also he's going to look at that and go, hang on, I'm your starting 10 in the championship. Now, part of that is obviously because club captain Tom Kenny is injured. But there is an element here that, that Fulham feel like they could build around Fabio Carvalho for a little while. And in saying that and in doing that, I think there's quite an important moment to think, okay, you probably have to up that offer a little bit in order to make him feel like he's valued as a member and and key part of that first team. Because if he is going to play in that role, he is a crucial cog in how Fulham want to operate. And so I think that when you when you put all of that together, I'm not hugely worried. I imagine it's a it's a question of thrashing out a deal. Um, I know that the, the Fabio spoke to a couple of people on Instagram and said when the, when the reports came out and said it's not true. Now, I'm sure there is elements of it that are true. I'm sure there are elements here that are a little bit uh, of a reach and a little bit of a stretch. So I, I'm not hugely worried. I think you'd be start to get worried if, if he rejects the second and third offer. Um, but I'd imagine that, that someone negotiating off a first offer is, is, is a bit of a non-starter to begin with. So yeah, I, I'm not hugely worried right now. Um, yeah, um, Drew, you mentioned the Fulham phone-in. Good um, opportunity to mention that. It's something that we started this season over on the YouTube channel on Twitter. Um, we're going to be taking uh, live phone calls after most games. Um, you can literally just call in on your phone. Um, we've, we've got a phone number and uh, and have your say. Um, yesterday, someone uh, called Freddie called in and was talking about um, Carvalho and, and was just like, you know, we, we can't pay him like shit money. And I was suddenly like... Okay, mate. I mean, I'd love to earn probably the shit money that we've offered Fabio Carvalho, which is what, like, probably you know, even if it was five grand a week, which is probably shit money. I'm like, I, I'd I'd happily have that. Um, <laughs> let's go to Tim Britton, um, who asks, should we plan for Kearney never making a sustained comeback? Uh, ben, uh, why have you put me on the spot here, Samuel? Uh, I'm no, very sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I think there is definitely an element to this. And I think that uh, all of you guys would probably admit that this has crossed your mind as well. And I think a lot of people in the fan base will have now as well. Um, I think we got five magical years out of Tom and then we've had sort of a really horrible 18 months off the back of that. Or Tom has in himself with persistent knee injuries that are kind of gone unsolved for quite a long time. I always remember back to that that, um, season with Slavisa where Tom just almost sort of disappeared for a while. and then. They said that they were looking into a knee injury, but they could never figure out what it was. And it kind of, they kind of like sort of played it by ear for almost six months and then play, play, tried to get him to play with injections. Um, they, I, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think he's ever had any surgery on it. So it, it can't be like a massively underlying problem. But I, I do think that when a player of his quality gets an injury that is as persistent as this and it's kept him sidelined for a very long time now, bearing in mind that he didn't play the whole of the back end of last season other than maybe a game or two. I think you really do have to sit there and wonder when he's going to return to fitness and you do have to plan for life after Kenny. And I think this is why Harry Wilson's such a good signing for us to make. And this is why I think that we'll see him ending up being a central player in under silver and, and why I think that he'll become uh, a sort of like creator in chief from, from a little bit more of a, an advanced role that we traditionally see Kenny in. But I do think that Fulham are kind of of the understanding now that it could be an end of an era for Kenny and that there could be a baton passing. I don't know if Jack's heard anything different or may have uh, heard anything from within, but like I feel like from a fan's point of view, 
and someone that knows injuries sort of fairly well that I think that this could be the beginning of the end for, for TC at Fulham. And I really hope it's not because for a long time, he was my favourite player to watch in the whole world. And obviously that's a bit of a reach considering there are, there is Messi and Ronaldo around at this time. However, just to see him like, felt like passable around like the pitch was made of velvet and just to glide around past players and score brilliant goals it was such a great period like in my life and um yeah it'd be really sad to see him go but I do think it's sort of the passing of the baton to another player now yeah I I would I would agree with quite a lot of that I I think that there is an element that you know the the sustained periods of time out I'd imagine us start to take their toll after a while. You know, we, we see players who who take long periods out of the game, come back a little bit, have another extended period out of the game, and and it has hurt them in in, in a long term. Now, I agree with Ben. I hope beyond hope um, that TC is close to a return, um, but we haven't seen him play football in you know the best part of a year. I think now, really, in terms of of, of when he's been you know a, a crucial element of of how Fulham have played. And, and he's been so brilliant for this club and, and such a, a wonderful servant, um, such a wonderful leader in many ways. He scored some absolutely unbelievable goals. He scored some crucial goals, all of it. Um, but I do think there there comes a point where you, you look at it and go, OK, where's, you know, how long is it going to take to get Tom Kearney back to full fitness? Now, the, the flip of this, I suppose, for, for me, is that we don't have to rush him back this time. Because there are players in this squad who can who can operate in that role. We've seen Fabio Carvalho come through. As Ben says, Harry Wilson can also play in a central role. I prefer him wide, but he can play in a central role if we need him there. And I do think that there's a a little bit of kind of a thing that if we hadn't got those players and there wasn't faith in those players, we might have rushed Tom Kenny back again. Right, we might have rushed this this, this knee injury back again, and it did feel for a while I'd be like, oh, he'll be back at the start of next season, and now. There's the whole, okay, still out, still kind of injured, still working his way back to fitness. And I do wonder if that's perhaps more to do with the fact that we're so concerned that in terms of his long-term health, that any rush back would be an aggravation of it, that we're willing to this time round give him the, you know, exactly the time, space, recovery that he needs before putting him back into first-team action. And that's kind of what I'm hoping for at this point. Yeah, I definitely would, would, would echo those sentiments. Um, speaking of Harry Wilson, by the way, look, I'm not the person that makes up the chance here and I never will be, but I still think that, especially if he moves to the centre mid, I think that the Steffi Hansen song can be adapted to Harry Wilson. I'm just saying this, okay? Um, other people can decide whether it gets to happen or not. I'm not that person. Uh, right, um, let's go on to a few more questions before we finish. Um, Aaron asks, I'll go to you on this one, Drew. What did you think of Gazaniga's performance? I was completely convinced. Do you think we'll see Rodak on Saturday, though? He did caveat this, Sammy. Just I will say he posted after saying he wasn't completely convinced. He did the old asterisk. Ah, <laughs> I was going to say it seemed, it seemed he, wasn't, bit... he wasn't convinced. What did you think? I was going to say it seemed quite, uh, he seemed quite confident there, uh, which I wouldn't have been necessarily. So, no, what, what, my overriding feeling here is I am, I do feel sorry for Rodak because, uh, you know, again, it's, 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 it's like last season all over again. And if you're him, you're thinking, well, actually, do I have a future at the club long term? Um, we're doing to Rodak what we did to Bessinelli, aren't we? And we all know how that one ended. Ha- having said that, you know, it's a bit of a bit of a, a dodgy start for Gazzini, not all his own fault at all. There was a couple of, uh, 
uh, terrible balls to him that made him uh, that made him go into action. Um, look, I, I, it's difficult to judge Gazaniga after one game. Um, I'm sure. To be honest, I'm, I'm I think he's probably going to be our number one this season. I don't think Silva's going to be messing around with the whoever's in the sticks. Um, about I could be proven wrong on uh, on Saturday against Huddersfield, but I'd be I'd be surprised if he wants to tinker too much. Now we're moving, but. Um, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to judge too harshly. Um, he had some moments where he was all right and moments where he was a bit dodged. So it's difficult to say. But yeah, my overriding feeling really is just a bit of a sadness to Rodak, who really did uh, nothing wrong um, to be to be ditched twice. Is uh, Yeah, he'd be asking questions, I'm sure. And then that would leave us in an interesting position if he decides he wants to go elsewhere. Yeah, indeed. All right. Well, thank you for your questions. Actually, I've got a couple of uh, silly ones after the break. But uh, yeah, thank you very much for those. Uh, And we'll be back in a second. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast with Sammy, Jack, Drew and Jarms. Okay, two more questions. Uh, Mark Holiday says, um, there seems to be a swimming pool question on every podcast this season. And to be quite honest, I'm here for it. Uh, Mark Holiday asks, with the new swimming pool underway, do you think the club will produce a cool line of budgie smugglers for our fans to wear? If so, will they ask for fans to volunteer on this to model their new range? Um... Jarms, would you wear a pair of full and budgie smugglers if you got invited up to the infinity pool? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely, no doubt. I, I definitely wear them. Probably, probably for maybe like a G or a thong, actually, rather than a pair of budgie <laughs> smugglers. Why not? I mean, did you? I, I did. Re, I did respond back to Mark and said that the club have already been in touch uh, for the availability of Don Betts as poster boy. Um, so we're just waiting on his response. Okay, well, it'd be interesting to see if the away day maestro Don Betts can um, model the budgie smugglers. I'm sure. Bucket hat and budgie smugglers is is a good combo, I'd say. All he needs is an apparel and, you know, be set. Maybe we could get budgie smugglers with like oranges on them so that they they matched his drink when he got there. Yes, yes, yes. I like this a lot. Uh, please more infinity pool questions we're always happy to ask them um, they seem to always get picked as well uh, final one um, from uh, I've, I've said this guy's name before and like everyone laughs at me but I'll say it again it's C Hunt um, <laughs> uh, he says in order in honour of your Ted Lasso advert on your last podcast, can we start a chance for Ty Francois to the theme of Baby Shark, which apparently is something to do with Jamie Todd? Does anyone watch Ted Lasso or is this question? Yes. Where- and also, if you haven't watched Ted Lasso, you need to watch Ted Lasso. It's so good. Dean it's loves like it, genuinely so good. It's like one of the best shows. I watched it like with real reticence. I, I, I was like, there's no way that the whole like Americanization of football is going to produce a good show. It is flat brilliant. It's absolutely unbelievable. I, I promise you will not regret it. It's really, really good. I mean, so- I did the advert for it last week, which sounds, which is probably not the best look that I haven't watched it, but maybe I will now based on your recommendation. No, seriously, I was part of the original promo team when we were, when I was still at Bleach Report and I was like, okay, fine, like whatever. And I watched it and was like, Oh no, this is actually unbelievable. Transfer guru, Dean Jones loves it, doesn't he? I've listened to Ranks a few times and he loves talking about Ted Lasso. It's so good. Like honestly, so, so good. Ben, have you watched it? I've not yet because I haven't, it's Apple TV only, isn't it? And I don't, I don't have an Apple TV uh, sort of subscription, but you know, after, after DJ saying it and Jack saying it and you saying it's pretty good, I'll, I'll give it a go. Okay. And, and Jack with knowledge of the Jamie Tart, um, 
chance would it would it work for Thai Francois to the theme of Baby Shark? I can't see it happening, but you never know. I think it's a stretch. I'll be honest. I mean, Jamie Tart was born for it, right? That's exactly how it works. <laughs> it's, it does what it says on the tin. Thai Francois is a bit of a mouthful, if I'm honest. I like the idea, though. I like where we're coming from. I like the, the inspiration. I like the the thought process. But I'm not completely convinced this is the one. But we'll get there. We'll get there. 100. percent if, if only Anthony Knockhart had a like shorter first name, you could go Ant. But even that was a. It was, feels a little bit. Um, Feels Tony? like a, a bit of a reach. Yeah, I, I, it would I, be one for Tony Khan, wouldn't it? Really? Oh, imagine if he had his own song. <laughs> Don't start that, mate. I, I'm not going to. I have no interest. But but that is the one, isn't it? That's the one that works. To be honest, I hear to, I hear Baby Shark far too often. So I'd be happy if we just didn't pick that one up. Oh, is that is that a uh, is that a favourite of um of? It's certainly be- certainly in rotation. Oh, what are the other things in rotation? Peppa Pig. Oh, Peppa Pig. Hey, Dougie. All the nursery rhymes. Bar Bar Black Sheep is is a banger. Oh, Who'd win in a fight, Cass or Aubrey? Cass would. Uh, no, actually, no. I'm not going to comment because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get drawn into this. Cass would batter him. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well thank you very much for all your questions including the baby shark one that was um uh, good yeah. effort i want to hit more of these though like that that's it like i spent last year Time being really weird about do, 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 do. and um you know i the one that i really enjoyed with uh was for, was for yerkim anderson which was to the caesar's jerk it out which is we've got yerkim now um which i thought would really go but um obviously we never got an opportunity to sing any songs for yerkim anderson if they're a palace fan listening to this maybe you can nick it yeah um, so, but, so that's yeah. hlt co for whatever for free. Yeah, exactly. See if I can get a reach. <laughs> yeah. See if I can get one of those. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening today. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens um, on Saturday against Huddersfield. Still feels like so much to be resolved this season and still so much to be worked out. But the, the, the signs were encouraging, um, I think, um, yesterday. But, you know, still some things to be ironed out. But I still think there is a chance that it could be a good season for Fulham. Uh, Jack, just one thing left to do, which is to name the podcast. What are you going for? Yeah, I mean, there were there were good options, but but Brett Pund with Fulham castaway win um, seems like the, the 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 real obvious winner here for, uh, in honour of our new man, Wilson. Wilson! Wilson. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much for listening today. Uh, Jack Collins, thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Sammy. Ben Jarman, thank you very much. Thank you, Sammy. And Drew Heatley, thank you very much. Cheers, friends. And we'll see you very soon. Come on, you whites. You whites. You whites.